Hey everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. everyone and welcome back to Pixels, a show where we cover the news from the gaming industry and today is a special show because, well, a couple of reasons. First, I didn't think we were going to need one before E3, but uh, apparently the biggest world-shattering news happens when I least expect it. And uh, second, I am not at home. I am in my very good friend Jérôme's office uh, and hey, hey, can you say hi, Jérôme? Hi, hi everybody. Uh, Jérôme is a wonderful YouTuber, French YouTuber, as you can hear by his uh, charming uh, accent. Not so French accent, but... Yeah, but accent, <laughs> nonetheless. Accent I, I have fun. to be the one who has yeah, very yeah. little accent. You're the perfect one. Yes, all right. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, and he is hosting me to record because I'm currently in Paris and at home there's also a baby who often is noisy. And so there might be noise, but thankfully it's not baby noise. So uh, that's the, the, the other thing. So please excuse the uh, noise from people working around the office. Um, and last thing, I guess there is no last thing. My name is Patrick Beja, and I'm very glad to be welcoming uh, Nick, uh, also known as Taliesin, to this episode. Hey, Nick. How is it? Hello. Bonjour. Welcome. <laughs> I, I, welcome. Welcome to me. Hello. <laughs> welcome oh, to It's nice Nick. in this office. Sorry. Yeah, I was, just, I was just in awe of this beautiful office that we're all crammed into. It's lovely. <laughs> so uh, we haven't been to the bathroom yet. Um, and I, I have, have heard I'd leave a minute or two if I was you have. Patrick. Okay, it's it's really impressive that you managed to go all the way from the UK to the bathroom in this Parisian office, uh, and then go back. Uh, it was a long well. flight, and I desperately needed it once I got there. <laughs> have we already done? We we we've two seconds in. We've done toilet jokes. Is that what we're doing? Listen, is hey, this is now? high quality I podcasting. Um, so, you know what? Let's talk about video games instead. Um, you know, toilets, video games, let's go with video games. With Microsoft and Sony announcing the probably the biggest news of the year. Um, it trumps the Microsoft loves Nintendo uh, news from a few weeks back. And uh, it's very industry focused but it's still i think some incredible news i'm gonna describe it for people who don't know what happened um but just on the face of it biggest news of the year or just world chattering news period i was asking you nick and nick has disappeared hello are you lost in the restroom all right let's interrupt the recording so when I look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just this went to answer. This is going great. This is going <laughs> great. All right. Again. Yes. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Answer. It's fine. <laughs> um, yes, Patrick. I agree. It is the most earth-shattering news, probably in the history of of video games. We're talking fire. We're talking the invention of the wheel. Um, that wasn't history of video games. That was just basic human history. But it's up there. 
Um, according to the internet, anyway, that's that's what I've heard. Um, uh, it seems like uh, Sony has kind of realized it's in trouble with its streaming game services uh, a little bit. In trouble, maybe an over-exaggeration. It's behind. Um, and uh, am I right in thinking that this was something that the PlayStation division didn't even really know about? Sort of um, big Sony went over their head and sort of made the deal behind their backs. And then just turned yeah. up one day and was like, hey, guys, guess what? You don't need to worry about your online streaming services anymore because uh, we've now got that all covered. We're working with Microsoft. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. So <laughs> yeah, surprise. they were definitely, I mean, behind and, and not behind because they did launch uh, PlayStation Now years ago. But commercially, the offering is not uh, as interesting as the ones that are going to be coming in the future uh, generation of console are promising to be. Um and technologically, it was pretty, uh, it would make sense that they would need uh, someone's help because they are not a server company. As we mentioned, I think on this show a few times, there are three companies that can do it. Four, if you count uh, Facebook, it would be Google, who is already in the business with uh, Stadia, uh, Microsoft, who, of course, is going to be in the business with uh, xCloud and is already a gaming uh, company with the um with the Xbox in general. And finally, there's Amazon. So personally, I thought Amazon was going to be the one to um, be partnering up with Sony. And apparently they have had um, talks which didn't work out because, again, this is pure speculation on my part. But I think Amazon was like, we can offer you this deal. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive than what you would expect. But where are you going to go? Like, your competitors, your like, my uh, so uh, ah, Google is competition. Microsoft is competition, so it's only us. And Sony was being sneaky and going to Satya Nadella and saying, "We're competing in the gaming space, but you love selling server services, and uh, we can use your server services." Say that three times fast. Um, and they Microsoft was like, "Awesome, you know what?" The Xbox is a great business. There's no reason. It's like Samsung selling screens and chips to Apple. They're competing on smartphones, but it doesn't mean they can't also make some money on the other uh, part of the business. And it makes complete sense from a business standpoint. But if you only look at the gaming industry and kind of look at it from an emotional standpoint, as we all do, it is definitely unexpected. Um and that is, I, I was fully, uh, I was thinking Sony and, and Amazon would make a deal. But, uh, and everything's everything's happening under the shadow of Stadia at the moment, isn't it? And Microsoft, and and that's the big sort of behemoth kind of looming in the distance, and 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 sort of threatening to kind of take over everything in a way. So I think everyone's kind of scrambling against that. I also kind of think that um, the the whole partnership is probably a lot less surprising for people who, like you say, don't have that kind of emotional connection to it. So so for anyone outside of our kind of very tribal gaming bubble. It it probably makes a lot more sense and wasn't as shocking because, you know, Microsoft like making money and Sony like making money. They love it. So uh, it makes perfect sense. Who is it more surprising for you, Patrick? Is it is it more surprising move for Microsoft or for Sony, in your opinion? A little bit for, well, I don't know. I guess it's both equally. It's both surprising and unsurprising when you look at the business side of it. Um, so... It, 
if I think about Microsoft, I'm like, oh, but it's more surprising for Microsoft. But if I think about maybe in the end, it's more surprising for Sony. Uh, Microsoft is in the server business, and that's their main business, especially since uh, Satya Nadella took the company and transformed it into a cloud company. Um, it is for Sony there were other options but um so let me ask you another question all of this makes sense do you think that what we've been discussing as a possibility uh for microsoft putting its x cloud service so so xbox streaming services um on other consoles like do you think it's conceivable that Microsoft will uh, try... Well, they will try to get the xCloud everywhere, um, but do you think Sony would let it be on the PlayStation 5, whatever it ends up being named? And before you answer, let me uh, bring another stone to that pile of stones argument. <laughs> Are you sure it's quite a big pile of stones? Yes, yes, it is, it is. Um Sony has let in EA access into the PlayStation 4, which I really don't think is a move for PlayStation 4. No one cares. But it might be a move for the next generation. Uh, when I say no one cares, it's because Sony already has the, the market cornered with the PlayStation 4. This generation, they've won it. But next generation, it's always a big reset button when you change generations. Um, and if gamers look at the offerings and think well you know there's this and this and that services uh available on the microsoft console but on the sony console yes they have tons of exclusives but microsoft is going to have tons of them too um i can't access ea access you know that subscription service or maybe other subscription services i'm gonna go with microsoft console because there are more uh possibilities I think that's the reasoning why um, EA Access is available on the PlayStation 4 now and likely will be on the next version of the console. Um, and with that in mind, do you think it's possible we'll see Microsoft's xCloud or, you know, Xbox? By the way, I think it's going to be called Xbox, the next console from Microsoft, um, available on PlayStation 5. Yes, um, simply because I, I, I feel like everything is getting so sort of homogenized is the wrong word, but things are so multi-platform going to the next generation that I think it's going to be a lot more piecemeal um, than what we found in, in, in this generation. Um, and I was thinking how Sony working with Microsoft in this way with xCloud is kind of a better deal for Microsoft in a way. They, they are the service provider for... Um, um, uh, for Sony in a way. So, you know, Sony are just another customer to them, whereas um, Sony are kind of relying on uh, Microsoft to provide this service. On the other hand, it means that PlayStation 5 will have everything in that regard that my, uh, the, the, the new Xbox will have as well. So, yeah, I, I, I can see it being a thing like, you know, when you turn your Xbox on now and you have lots of different TV services like Now TV and, 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 and Netflix and things like that, it, could it not work in that exact way where you're just picking a service from a big list um, and different people have different lists, but they're still really big. And <laughs> that's just how we consume media now, isn't it? I think, yeah, I think it's possible that from a business standpoint, um, I'm not saying it will happen, but I think just like it would make sense for um, for Nintendo to have the Xbox service on the Nintendo Switch, because people would buy the games 
anyway, they would buy the Switch for the exclusive games, and then you have a slightly more captive audience with the people who have your console. But if someone wants to play the um, Xbox service, the thing is, for, for Nintendo and for Sony, when you think of it as exclusive platforms, it, it kind of means, oh, but we're inviting the enemy. But the reality is... Those services are going to be available everywhere. Essentially, you're going to be able to play your Xbox service on your TV or on your, you know, set-top box, your Apple TV, whatever. It, it's probably, if someone wants to play those games on that service, they're going to be able to. The only difference for Sony will be, will, they, will Sony get a small cut of that money of the people that are paying for that service or not? Because no matter what, again, that service will be available on the PC, on the TV, and the, the gamers who own PlayStation 4s, who want to play those games, will be able to do that. If they do that on a PlayStation, I, I said PlayStation 4, of course I mean PlayStation 5, um, if they can do that on a PlayStation 5, then Sony gets a little cut of that money. So I it think it makes sense, but I, I mean, I, I think the important thing is just allowing people to play whatever they want. I mean, mm. in, in I, we're talking about PlayStation winning this generation, that was done through access to games that people wanted to play. In this case, it was exclusives, but it can work the other way as uh, the other way as well. In, in not having access to games that everyone else has, uh, you're completely cutting off your audience. There, yeah. I mean, like I, I was Xbox for for years and years and years. I was I was Microsoft. I went from Nintendo to Microsoft. Didn't like the playstation at all but i bought a playstation 4 because i wanted to play red dead redemption and i wanted to play uh, last of us and i wanted to play god of war and that is probably the only thing that really wins the, the battle for yeah. a console and and the the big paradigm shift in the next uh generation is that you're going to be able to play those games everywhere and that really changes everything so uh red dead redemption not a playstation exclusive but i get your meaning um, oh, so my prediction for PlayStation 5, the way it's done, I've been told that it's probably not the case, but I still want to put it out there. Um, PlayStation 5 announcement. So Sony plays dirty. They hold off on announcing a date for The Last of Us Part 2. They wait for Sony, for Microsoft to announce their next-gen console. As I said, it's going to be called Xbox, just simply Xbox, not Xbox 2 or whatever. Um... And once they have, once they have a, a release date, they announce a release date for the PlayStation 5 one month earlier, one month before the release of the Xbox. And The Last of Us 2 is released on the same day for both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Of course, the PlayStation 5 is an enhanced version. Um, and that way, they keep their biggest cartridge their biggest bullet for the release of the playstation 5 and they motivate a lot of people to buy the the new playstation who will then be less likely to buy a new xbox i don't know if it's going to happen some people with inside knowledge have been telling me yeah you're going to be surprised at the release date of the um of the, the one of the consoles so i don't know what to make of that but that's my prediction I'm that just... sounds so outrageously conniving and over the top <laughs> and devious that I think it will definitely happen at this stage. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's so weird that they're not talking about any of this, like uh, of the their last games. I'm thinking they're holding them their, their cards close to their vest. And, and that 
makes everyone happy because you, if you have a PlayStation 4, you're still getting it's it's pulling essentially a Switch. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, Breath of the Wild on Switch and uh, Wii U, except you're in a position where your previous console is super well, uh, has a huge installed base. And the people who have a PlayStation 4, you don't need to buy the PlayStation 5. I think it makes a huge amount of sense. And The Last of Us is by far the biggest game uh, from Sony, and The Last of Us Part II is highly anticipated. So I think it would make sense, but we'll see. Yeah, and I would only feel slightly stupid that I bought a PlayStation 4 to to play Last of Us on, um, with <laughs> sort of a, a much better version being on PlayStation 5. That wouldn't make me feel bad at all. I no, really enjoy that, and it would make me feel fantastic. You you bought that for The Last of Us, but you ended up enjoying God of War and Spider Man and a ton Listen, of other. I bought games. it. I bought it for Red Dead Redemption, which wasn't even a console exclusive, and I bought it. <laughs> no, for... it is a console exclusive, but you could have played it on uh, the Xbox as well if you had an Xbox One. But maybe you don't. Well, I I, I enjoyed God of War and Spider Man as well, so I'm There I'm totally go. the winner, and I don't feel stupid at all. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, related news. We've uh, had a, a um, talk by Dominic Mallinson, uh, who's R&D at PlayStation, who was talking about VR in general, not specifically about any kind of follow up to the PlayStation VR. But he did mention that VR without cables is incredibly important. It has some drawbacks, but it is uh, uh, The, the real experience so we're wondering if um he did point out the drawbacks the many drawbacks as well but we'll see if that happens with the next playstation um the, the sony has a new playstation film and tv division for which apparently twisted metal is the first license being looked into for uh adaptation to either the small or the big screen I'm not, I don't know what to make of that. And honestly, I don't know what to make of any Sony property being adapted to the, to, to either in, as a TV show or as a movie, because I don't know that I want to see, for example, God of War, what do they do with it? Comics are great to adapt into movies because there's a narrative thread that you follow or, and you can adapt it, everything. For a game, do I see the thing that I played just as a movie or do they go somewhere else into that universe? Is it even possible? I guess anything's possible. We've seen so many great TV shows and movies being adapted from things that seemed like they had no right uh, to be in that format and it worked out great. But I don't know. I'm skeptical at this point. You're, you're into the murky world of video game film adaptations now, though, mm -hmm. aren't you? And that's uh, I mean, that, that's that's a horrible world that no one should ever visit. I mean, it's <laughs> something we talk about in World of Warcraft all the time, isn't it? Every time a new World of Warcraft cinematic comes out, these beautiful CGI kind of masterpieces, everyone says, "Where's the Netflix series? You know, let's let's get this, but half an hour long and and costing five thousand times as much, <laughs> and for eleven episodes, please, as if that could be something that could easily just happen." Um, but I, I feel like. I, I feel like the box set sort of nature of, of, of TV streaming at the moment is really suited to kind of uh, video game adaptations and, and comic book adaptations. The Castlevania series is really good. So why not? Mm. Especially something as, as, as kind of vague as Twisted Metal, where you can kind of do anything with it. Yeah, I guess that's a good, that's a good point. It's so nondescript. It's just a kind of a mood, a feeling and a universe. Um, I guess that could work. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you're, as you mentioned, movies, video game movies have been really bad for a long time, but it's only the case until someone figures it out. Like, arguably, comic book movies, 
I'm going to make some enemies, but uh, they weren't great, you know, for a really long time until the until Marvel Studios decided to make something that's that's faithful enough to the original material and transformative enough that it works in the new one. All of the other ones were movies, not really comic book movies, and the, the they had huge problems, including Spider-Man, which everyone loves. But um, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the attitude anyway. in the 90s and, and, and before was always like, how do we change this to make it work on a screen? Exactly, exactly. And yeah. then it suddenly changed to how do we make this work on a screen? Yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, and, and, you know, you, you take that attitude into into video game stuff. Okay, so we still haven't had a good video game movie yet, really. <laughs> um, but I, And again, I think that's because what you're doing is you're fitting a narrative from an entire series or, or game, which is always kind of longer and more involved than a, a movie anyway. And, and you're trying to fit it into a very limited format. I always think the TV series would be a much better idea mm. um the warcraft movie was complete mess because there's just too much going on but you put that into 11 episodes and 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 have different character arcs going different places and, and different focuses at different times and it's got much more potential mm. much more yeah. expensive and harder to make as well but that's not the <laughs> point no it could work you're right all right uh let's do a few predictions for e3 since it's uh what in a couple of weeks only uh first fable 4 was kind of leaked on mixer the microsoft service like as one of the games you can select when you're streaming so maybe fable 4 it's very possible that would make a lot of people happy there's a uh, roller champions by ubisoft which is like a weird roller derby kind of sports thing which looks pretty cool modern warfare is probably the next call of duty it's just a reset of the modern warfare um uh, uh property ip it, which is something i could be interested in um and then a bunch of other things uh google won't be at e3 but it will probably announce uh something for stadia towards the end of the month um, and we're hoping it's going to be the business business model and a bunch of details. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to E3 just to try and get more people to convert their games to their service because they need a, a catalog, that's for sure. Um, yeah, there's a, a bunch of things, but big picture, do you have any predictions for E3? And you don't have to, it's just a... a question in general um I, I i try not to have predictions for e3 i have hopes that will be completely dashed and they're all the same <laughs> hopes and it's all games as well i i I'm, I'm never that excited about new console releases or anything like that those kind of happen and i i catch up about a year later probably um and and then i'm out of date instantly so i mean i'm always i'm always thinking games wise and i'm always thinking far too far into the future so i'm always completely disappointed so like i'm i i want halo infinite i want elder scrolls 6 i want starfield um i i, I just think want they've cool mentioned stuff. i think bethesda has mentioned they're not going to be talking about either starfield or uh elder scrolls 6 that's just what they would say though patrick <laughs> Just to just to get people people's expectations in check so they can completely blow them away. That's what I'm thinking. You know, that's something that a lot of people think, and they often say, "Oh, but they're trying to they're trying to tell us." For for many uh, declarations by companies like this, the problem is if you start doing that as a company, then people never trust anything you say, yeah, and absolutely. you can't control the narrative. So I don't think it would. Happen. No, and most people wouldn't trust Bethesda to open a can of beans at the moment anyway. So, uh, no, yeah, it will it will be very disappointing. Or maybe a blessed relief. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll get away with that one. 
we'll, we can wait for that disappointment. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's mostly games that I always look forward to okay. and, and, and flashy tr- trailers and things to look excited to. I'm very easy to please when it comes to expos. Right. So essentially what, you, what you're hoping for is E3. That's how you can sort well, of... What I'm hoping for is hype. I just want some really <laughs> cool hype. Hopefully like a cool Japanese man playing some nice music um, and, <laughs> you know, a show. That's what I want. It'll be awesome. Well, you know, this E3 is probably going to be the... Uh, I think I talked about it last time, so I'm not going to go uh, into it too much, but it's probably going to be a little bit disappointing in that regard. Uh, what we will get, however, is Microsoft's big conference. And that is where things might happen. It might even be that, I mean, I am certain they will announce their new console and service. That is a given. If they don't, they are the, they would, they'd better have some incredibly good justification. I can't imagine what would justify not announcing it then. And I won't have to because they are going to announce it anyway. (laughs) And uh, there's a small possibility that once they do, then it frees up other companies uh, to announce games on that platform. It might happen and they might show versions of the existing games on that platform. Um, It's very possible, especially since Microsoft is doing the conference first. It's on Sunday, uh, I believe and everyone else is afterwards um so we'll see we'll see what happens but my prediction is of course that happening um but aside from that you know we have the big uh conferences we have ea is kind of in a in a small capacity at e3 there uh they basically only have um the Jedi game to show. Uh, Then we have Bethesda, who has said they are not going to announce anything big, as we mentioned. Uh, Devolver, who's always, nah, it's not my thing. Uh, E3 VR show could be interesting, but nothing groundbreaking. PC gaming, it's always a mixed bag, even though it's been getting better uh, in recent uh, uh, years. Ubisoft is the big one we have on Monday, which I think we're going to see some things. But again, the, the out of the four big um, IPs that they've said they would announce, we know like two or three already, and they're not earth shattering. Um, and then we have Square Enix and Nintendo. The one thing I'm really hoping for uh, is to see Avengers uh, at Square Enix. Um, there's also a rumor about a DC, like maybe Justice League game being developed by Rocksteady, who did the Arkham series, which would be I would be really interested in. Uh, they, this might be announced at a Microsoft conference to prop up their new system. That That's a possibility. Uh, but the Avengers game, of course, I'm a big uh, MCU fan uh, and Marvel fan in general. Square Enix is where I would hope to see that. Uh, it's been rumored for a long time and it was supposed to be announced well we were hoping it would be announced last year it wasn't so now is the time um and nintendo of course will be talking only about software so probably uh, pikachu (laughs) so probably pokemon sword and shield and uh possibly that uh stupid town game where you meet your neighbors What's the name of that thing again? Isn't that about every game on the Switch? <laughs> <laughs> to be, I mean, I, I, I say it is that very popular. What am I? Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh right, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking Farmville, but okay, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. That 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 is going to be there, and maybe you know surprises, but I worry it's not going to be a huge. I mean, it is going to be huge because of Microsoft, but not on the other. We'll see. 
you don't think we'll hear anything about Dragon Age Four? That's another one that I always have my uh, huh. my fingers crossed for. It's it's possible, but I was I I was pretty let down by the Dragon Age series, including Inquisition, which I know a lot of people loved. But oh, Jerome approves of Inquisition, so I'm in in I'm, I might be in out of this office. Of yeah, basically. Um, no, the thing is, Inquisition. I got lost in the in the minutiae of, of the early levels, and I didn't. But anyway, so yeah, Dragon Age Four. It's very possible. It might even be likely. But at the same time, EA is not, you know, bringing the big guns. They they have a series of small streams that are, they're gonna put together in the big stream but they they're like oh we're not doing anything big and i think after anthem um they you know the whole company was working on anthem for so long that i i think they haven't had time to really get uh dragon age 4 into gear so i'm not hopeful on that front you expecting any big apex legends sort of uh expansion plans or anything Uh, like that Are, are you playing that no, not really. Uh, I, but I'm not a battle royale fan, so um, <laughs> it might be the announcement that is coming on mobile, which we've uh, had very big hints uh, about. So that might happen. But again, EA has downplayed. You know, tried to uh, get the expectations as low as possible for this E3. So I don't think anything big. Uh, that doesn't really qualify as anything big, but. I don't know. No. Apex Legends, I think the the next big thing would be the mobile. And if we learned anything in 2018, it's that you don't bring mobile to in a big way at a core gamer focused event. Right. That is the lesson we'll remember. I'm sure I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. All right. That's it for E3. Uh, quick mention of a couple of things uh, esports related. There's a spectacular report by Cecilia D'Anastasio, uh, the Kotaku reporter, uh, on esports and how um, the industry is kind of possibly into a pretty big bubble at the moment. Um, it's a very long read and a one, some, one that I really recommend uh, you go check out if you're interested in this. Um, essentially, what it has to do with is... Uh, let me summarize it. Um, the the investments, the investors are uh, trying to get an audience that is not watching TV or sports, regular sports anymore. And so they're sinking a lot of money into esports because this might be the thing uh, and it has a huge potential for being that thing. And if it is, then there is a lot of money to be made. But currently, the revenue isn't matching the investments that they're um, putting in, which is pretty common, but it's not matching them by, you know, any measure. And it's not looking like it will be matching it in any time in the midterm future. So that is a concern. Um, And the viewership numbers are, according to many sources, not all, but many sources, severely inflated through techniques like um, they buy the companies that do this. You know, it's uh, it's all of them, Blizzard, uh, Riot, uh, Activision, uh, EA, all of them. 
uh, when they have big events, streaming, uh, they, there's an example about uh, Magic as well, Magic the Gathering. When they have big event streaming, they will uh, buy displays on certain pages of those streams. You know, the championships would be streamed uh, streamed on a Gamepedia page, you know, the front page, inside the page itself as a giant ad, which is counted as viewership. But is it really an engaged viewer? Probably not. Maybe they're going to click and go to the actual Twitch page, um, but it seems like it wouldn't be a, a, an engaged viewer at all. Um, so that is one thing that is uh, concerning. Also, the... the uh, amount of money that the pros are making is significant, um, but it's not as big as the amount of money that the streamers are making. And that seems to be the way to address that kind of audience. Um, still, she ends and peppers the, the, the report with mentions that she ends with as well which is you know esports is not going anywhere uh people will still play games people will still compete and people will still want to watch those games being played so it is definitely not something that is uh vaporware uh it's not ephemeral either it's here to stay but it seems like there might be a bubble at the moment with potential vastly outmatching uh or i guess investment vastly outmatching the short or midterm potential so that is a, a an incredible report if you're interested go check it out um but it's kind of a topic that everyone was wondering about and i i think this is kind of blowing open something that everyone was scratching their heads about a little bit um so it, it's really interesting. Uh, it comes also as uh, Nate Nanzer, the commissioner for the Overwatch League, is leaving uh, Activision Blizzard for Epic Games. So he's kind of leaving an esports organization for another esports organization. He's going to head the uh, esports efforts at Epic. So it's not like he's thinking esports aren't working out. Um, but it is. it does bring me to talk about uh, Overwatch esports, which is the only esports I'm really i've really been interested in uh significantly and i also wonder you know all of these discussions that 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 uh, report by um danastasio brings up apply to the overwatch league in my opinion i love it i love watching it but the investments of multi dozens of millions uh, of dollars for a license for a team i don't understand how that money is going to be made up. Um, the viewership is cool and uh, arguably growing, but there are you know shenanigans there apparently for all of esports. But I don't beyond that. I don't understand like how are you going to make up for a team you're going to, you're pay, you've paid twenty million dollars for, um, and you have to build a stadium now because they're going to be playing locally in the cities that uh, they are they are from. Um, the viewership is cool, but do players actually go and buy the skins to a level that means revenue for the teams that is high enough? It doesn't seem like that. And especially the efforts behind the game itself don't seem like they're conducive to a growth in um, player base. 
it, it at best it maintains itself, but I can't imagine that more people are playing Overwatch today than they were uh, one or two years ago. Um, I still no play problem. it, I enjoy it, but yeah. So I don't know. That's the problem is that esports don't make people play your game. They're, they're kind of purely for the people yeah. that play the game anyway. And I, I've always had a, a problem just consuming esports from the, the, the point of view that even games that I understand at a very advanced level, like um, Overwatch and, and and Warcraft and that, I find incredibly difficult to follow uh, in, in sort of live stream tournaments and, and then things like that in a way that I don't when I'm watching just a streamer. Um, and likewise, I'm, I'm much more likely to buy a subscription to a streamer or donate money or, or bits or something live to a streamer than I am to buy an Overwatch team skin as well. And it, it makes sense that in, in the short and midterm, organizations aren't seeing... Uh, uh, loads of um uh, of games because you know you're setting up an in infrastructure and it's expanding you're putting things in place to be able to grow from i get that um i just feel like gamers at the moment uh maybe in a bit of a cynical place as well just generally um have been for for a couple of years and i i think i think we're a bit suspicious of incredibly shiny corporate run uh, events and and, mm. and streams and we we much prefer it turns out the personal touch of of a live stream with one specific person and and seeing team play from their point of view rather than have like shoutcasting and and, and uh, mm. graphics and, and and organized events in that respect uh, organized broadcasts i should say rather than events yeah i mean i i agree that it's it's probably not going to bring a lot of people to your game if they're not already engaged. I do think esports um, increase engagement. The players who are into your game, they might be teetering off or they might not have played for a little bit and they see this big esports competition and it's remo it remotivates them to start playing again. I think there is some of that. But you're also right. It's so complex that you're not going to gain a lot of new players through maybe some, of course, but not a lot uh, through that event. Um, so, and, and there's also the issue that esports games change all the time, right? You, you, yeah, you for sure. Every, every five years, let's say, a, a game will get a new episode, a new uh, uh, um, numbered uh, sequel come out. Or a new game becomes popular, and that is very damaging to someone who's invested so much in Overwatch, for example, or any uh, of those games. PUBG w had a potential... Well, it's, it's difficult, but PUBG was popular, um, extremely popular. It still is, but not to the same extent. W who's to say where it will be in a couple of years? And even if it lasts, you know, a game stint lasts 10 years. That's not, you know, football is here forever. Um, so I don't know. One thing she points out as well is that no one has cracked it, um, but there's definitely potential. And that's why I keep mentioning the potential thing. Uh, there is something there, but no one understands how to take the best advantage of it. Um, and it seems like this might have created some kind of a bubble now. I'm very curious. I'm focused on Overwatch because it's a game I really love and, and do watch in esports. I'm very curious to see what will happen in uh, next year's BlizzCon or this year's BlizzCon because 
I can't imagine that Blizzard didn't have something to convince their investors in their esports franchises um, other than just the current state of the Overwatch development. Um, I'm wondering if there's going to be something Overwatch related that they were arguing is going to, you know, increase um, mindshare or popularity for the Overwatch fran franchise as a whole in the coming years. Um, but we'll see. All right. Um, more quick tidbits of news. Uh, first, have you played any games specifically in the past couple of weeks or few weeks that you would Actually, like that's, to that's an incredibly unfair question with the with the wow classic beta being out at the moment <laughs> i haven't just not played any other games i haven't washed i've barely eaten oh wow I've really seen, i've not seen the sun um so you're going for the really full experience of uh... a slight exaggeration apart from the not seeing the sun obviously because yeah i'm in britain but um no i've I, i've been putting some serious time into that uh which surprises me because a it's just a beta and any progress i make is obviously gonna get completely wiped and disappear later on um but just just enjoying sort of an old game on its own terms and obviously there's a lot of buzz about it and there's a lot of excitement about it at the moment as well which helps um and i i enjoy being kind of caught up in that hype and, and and the community that's sort of building around it um there was there was uh, a stress test on the uh on, on the beta over the weekend which was the most exciting stress test i've ever been in in my life um uh, it was it was just full of people mucking around having a really good time and the devs were spawning old bosses in in the middle of uh, northshire cthoon turned up at some point and anixia and um yeah there's just a, there's just a really nice feel about that at the moment um whether or not that hype and excitement carries on to the actual release we'll wait and see um i, I kind of feel like I, I hope they haven't sort of blown their load on it a little bit really but i i that's 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 what i'm spending most of my time on at the moment interesting and you you were you part of the uh crowd of doubters which i'm part of which says you know oh well this is going to be fun for a few people but really it's so tedious it's so tedious yes that were not going to be interested or were you all in for the for the classic version tedious is a good word i describe it as sublime tedious um it, <laughs> it like is it. definitely tedious you're not wrong but there's something sublime about that tedium there's something incredibly well, obviously addictive about it we, we we've seen that over the course of 14 years um but there's something pleasingly simple about it mm. um I uh, I was never much of a doubter. I mean, I I, I think I, I class the success of Classic as being different from a lot of people. Like, I mean, clearly, when when that launches, it's probably going to be the most successful single month or two in the history of the game world of Warcraft because it's on the same subscription as as the live game as the current game. Um, those numbers so are clever, be huge. by the way. So, so clever. To anyone who wants to play idea. Classic has to has to pay the full subscription. This is so uh, clever. It is, it is. Um, and it, it's going to make the numbers absolutely outrageous for time. Mm. And who knows, maybe it'll even help the live game as well in the process, which would be lovely. Um, and yeah, then of course, naturally, numbers are going to bump off. The, the majority of people will come in and, and have a look around and, and just walk through Elwyn Forest and enjoy the music in the Barrens for a little bit. And that'll be enough. And that's, that's perfectly fine. I think what the past couple of weeks have shown, if anyone doubted it, is that there is a solid community there 
that have been waiting for this game and, and weren't lying about really waiting for this game um and and the, and that will support it and and i think i think in those terms it will be a success in that there will be people constantly playing it and there will be a, a very active community around it and um and it will it will bump up the numbers and, and make lots of lovely money for blizzard so yeah i mm. I, I don't think it will fail and i don't think losing 70% of your player base after the first month or two would be failing for WoW Classic anyway. I think that's pretty much expected. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I have to admit, uh, I was in the Doubters camp. Um, not that no one wanted it, but that a very small minority of people wanted it. Um, and I am surprised by the amount of love this, uh, this is getting. Um, it is... I. I delighted in the report of uh, bugs that weren't bugs i'm you know that was so wonderfully put by blizzard essentially they they put out a um a list of things that were being reported as bugs uh that weren't actually bugs that were how wow classic worked back then <laughs> wow worked back then uh things like health regenera regeneration is super low and no you have to sit down and eat for a minute before you can get the next group of mobs and there are no role. quest markers on the map how am i supposed to know where to go to exactly. hand in my quest this is really, what read the words what do you think i am <laughs> um, and this is really i learned funny. the trick patrick i learned the trick i wasn't a vanilla player but i learned the trick i, I still don't read the quest text what i do is um, I read it from from the bottom upwards. I just read it backwards mm -hmm, because the directions clever. where you're supposed to go are always at the end. Exactly. I'm a exactly. clever player. Um, and um, and the way the we way did as well, it, the way we did it back in the day was to install mods that would tell you where the quest objective was. You know, it was that easy. You've already seen those crop up on on streams and things from uh, from the from the hardcore vanilla players. And I feel a little <laughs> bit cheated to be honest with you, but it actually works the other way as well. In that, yes, there's been that, and we all like to have a little chuckle and a little sneer about hee hee noobs. You don't understand yeah, how exactly. difficult you... games used to be. Um, but it actually, th there's been a, a, another sort of happening whereby lots of the the great uh classic uh minds the streamers um had a big debate recently because they were convinced that um elite mobs in the game weren't doing enough damage and they were saying this is easier than it should be mm. uh you've got this wrong this damage isn't correct and everyone was coming out and saying this and going yeah no no it's true i've played uh in private servers and it's always more than this i remember getting completely wiped by this guy when i played in vanilla and, and this time i beat him easily it's far too easy and blizzard had to come out with a blue post and say well uh no we we've got the uh, original builds we've, we're using the original <laughs> code which uh, is, is not what classic is but we can compare it to things in there and here is video proof that the, the damage is completely right you're just not rubbish at the game anymore like you were in 2004 <laughs> and and you've had 14 years to study it and now you actually know what you're doing and that's something that classic can never replicate i guess right. it's just how bad you were at the game world of warcraft and how little you knew about mm. it and that's a real shame and also you're not playing in 15 fps anymore as well <laughs> that also plays a role it's funny because the people who were playing on um on uh, uh private servers actually many of them didn't know that but the numbers were uh tweaked 
often to try and replicate because they didn't have the exact numbers uh, from the original game um, and they were trying to approximate as much as possible but also um, some of the numbers were tweaked to make the game a little bit more difficult because people have adapted and learned how to play and all of that and to sort of replicate the feeling from back then um, they were tweaking the numbers in that way and people don't realize it so that's it's almost it's almost dramaturgy in a way it's quite a philosophical question it's like if you are <laughs> recreating a video game as a museum piece how far do you go with that yeah. do you allow it in in widescreen do you allow it to reach 60 fps um do you allow these kind of lighting effects do you if, if you're releasing patches in the in, in the correct order at the right times, do you have maintenance at the same times yeah. that you had maintenance <laughs> back in the day? Like, do you do you do these things, and do you make it harder to replicate how difficult it was for people at the time in a way that it can't possibly be now? It's That's... it's cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's what you've been playing, and uh, it oh, has... and also a bit of ESO as well. I've 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 been uh, oh. uh, mucking around. Yeah, because I, I I don't need a life. What do you think I am? Um, yeah, so, no, another uh, MMO. Okay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I did have to cancel my Final Fantasy XIV subscription in the last. Oh, I saw episode, your tweet which, about that, which yeah, pained that me. It pained me, but it had to be done because you know there's just no time. But yes, it was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed Somerset. I thought it was um, a, a beautiful, beautifully realized area. And ESO as an MMO is so different from Warcraft and, and Final Fantasy that I find it a really relaxing kind of escape, almost as a sort of a single player RPG. Really, the questing experience is really satisfying and. And, uh, and well produced and voice acted and presented so um, and, and so far in my my limited experience uh, elsewhere seems to be exactly what I want from it really so yeah lots of cool voices and characters and and quirky little quests and things like that so and dragons massive dragons landing is it the first fights. is it the first of dragons we're seeing in uh, Elder Scrolls Online for those who don't know what ESO is uh, Elder sorry, I should have clarified. Yeah, Elder Scrolls Online in in, uh, in in this way certainly. Um, and and you know they do look a little bit like Skyrim dragons, kind of mixed with Game of Thrones dragons, and mm. that's absolutely fine. I'm I'm all up for my kind of Game of Thrones dragony look. And again, it's something that that isn't represented in in warcraft which has a very specific kind of dragon model and and final fantasy which obviously has a very kind of eastern vibe and and, and what have you so no i'm 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 thoroughly enjoying my my slow adventures in in elder scrolls online at the moment I, well, you're making me want to give it a try again uh but of course as you mentioned no time so i won't but I, you get put straight into the current content in ESO as well. If yeah. you own it, don't forget, you, your level one character will start in the Elsewhere content and you'll level up in the Elsewhere story mm. and do that, which I think is uh, incredibly new player friendly. Something I, I like a lot. Stop tempting me, you evil <laughs> Dragons though, Patrick though. <laughs> well, another game I haven't played uh, is Rage 2. I figured, uh, you know, I've, I've spent money on Days Gone, which was fine. It was, you know, a fine video game. Um, and Rage 2 seems to be essentially everything we've said about Days Gone seems to apply to Rage 2. It is a fine video game, um, which is probably not going to make anyone's top list. Uh, for a number of reasons, which I won't get into, but I decided not to get it 
uh, now and maybe not ever, and instead focus on games that I had from before, except for one. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I've been playing a huge amount. I've finished the main quest. Um, such a great game. I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show before, but it bears You may have mentioned it, Patrick. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah. A, uh, a how times. much you love it. Yeah. It is, you know, um, I, I might have said the exact same thing last episode. I apologize. There, there were so many awesome games last year. I feel like uh, Assassin's Creed, even though it was lauded and described as a great uh, game, it didn't get its due. It's such an amazing achievement. I absolutely love that game. I'm sure it's going to be very cheap on sale over the, the next uh, few months. Do yourself a favor and uh, get it because it is awesome. Um, it bought it. I bought it the week it came out because it was raining and I was sitting in my office and it was <laughs> raining outside. And genuinely, I just thought, do you know what? I really just want to have a little walk through ancient Greece today. That is and half the reason you play that game. Yeah. 100%. And I, I, knowing that I had no intention of really playing the game all the way through, I paid my 50 bucks and I downloaded it and I spent, what, three hours wandering through ancient Greece? And I was incredibly happy. That that did for me. <laughs> I, that was 50 quid well spent. I, I don't regret it. 10 out of 10 would download again. <laughs> wow. Um, well, but one day I'll get back to it and I'll, I'll, I'll do it properly. That is a bit expensive. But yeah, whatever, it's it's a little bit Could have rainy. probably flown to Greece for that, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, the, 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 the enjoying the sun on the Greek islands is definitely worth your money. And also the game is fun. Um, I got World War Z in the uh, ill-fated Epic Mega Sale. Not quite ill-fated, but some pe- some companies weren't happy that they got their games uh, so cheap on one platform when they didn't. Apparently, it was poorly planned, which is, I think, growing pains for a company like Epic and their store. I was very happy with the sale, um, and I got World War Z, which is a fine video game um i was hoping for the excitement is fine of, as in this is a fine video game or fine as in and it's fine it's it it's a it's a okay maybe i should remove the fine it's a video game it's, oh no it's this it's fine so damning yeah I, I i can put it like that it's a video game and it's fine kind of like rage 2 and kind of like Days Gone. Although Days Gone, there's more production value, I guess. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching streams of Days Gone. I have, mm-hmm. uh, like with Rage 2 and World War Z, I have no desire to play it in the slightest. But I've I, I've got to say, I've had a, a tremendous gaming experience watching other people play Days Gone. Um, I've thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I think it's on that level. Um, I was hoping for an experience that would replicate the excitement of um, the uh, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. And I have to say, at least the very little that I've played, I haven't played a lot, but it's not there. It's not that, you know, you miss the creative genius of the people who were behind those uh, two games. Um, maybe it gets better the further you go into the mission. It's... Very well done. It has a lot of fun aspects, but it feels a little bit checklisty. Um, and so, what you're saying is, yeah. it would benefit from more creative genius, <laughs> as would controversial. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just it doesn't have that spark that makes you really excited you. to jump in. It's at least it didn't for me in the little time that I've played. Um, I've also went back to Slay the Spire. 
um, which I can't stop hearing uh, praises about. I've tried. I've shut myself off to the praises of Slay the Spire, and still they keep coming through. Um, and there, that is going to be very controversial. That is a fine video game. Um, you don't like that one either, do you? <laughs> do you like video games, Patrick? I, I, I wonder. No, I, so I love Assassin's Creed Odyssey. No, Slay the Spire. Okay, let me put it that way. The problem is I've played the core mechanics of Slay the Spire to uh, uh, satisfaction for me three or four years ago. Was it five years ago? Um, when I played uh, Hearthstone nonstop for two years. And the implementation of it is very different. And it's it's really exciting in that context of a single-player roguelite type thing that you go through runs with. Um, but the moment-to-moment gameplay, you get your deck, you get your cards in your hand, and you think about the best strategy to defeat your opponent and the order in which to play your cards. That is the core uh, gameplay loop of a game like Slay the Spire, which is very similar to the individual round or games of Hearthstone. So, I mean, it's uh, you say it's it's presented and structured quite different, but isn't isn't the new Hearthstone expansion basically Slay the Spire anyway? I haven't played it, but yes, that is what everyone what heard. Is, is saying as well. So it kind of uh, when I I first uh, talked about this in my French show about Slay the Spire, I hadn't heard about that from Hearthstone, but yes, since then people have confirmed it, and. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it, again. If you want Hearthstone but don't really like the format for Hearthstone, or for some reason you you know you want more in a different way, Slay the Spire is probably going to be awesome for you. And it's also coming to Switch in like uh, a couple of weeks. So great game if you like that. But I'm just uh, carded out, I guess. And so there we go. Uh, games I do enjoy, uh, Hades which is a game I first played when it came out uh, as a, a early access on the Epic Game Store. Uh, and I revisited now a few, I don't know, a couple of months later. Um, it is awesome. It is a great video game. <laughs> um, it, it's so much fun. It's a roguelite. Um, and it's essentially, I, I think I mentioned this before, but it's isometric Dead Cells. And I love Dead Cells. And so I love Hades. It is really like the, the way it's crafted is um, so fine and like it's finely crafted. It's exciting. It, you ha- get a real feeling of progression all the time. Um, yeah, I love it. Hades is a great, great game. So Do you have some experience with, with, with Dead Cells? And um, so for me, the thing that I liked most about Dead Cells was I, I, I think it was probably the only video game I've perhaps ever played in my life where you have abilities uh, that are very good abilities and that I've actually used and I haven't kind of saved for when I'm in a jam. Or, mm. you know, you, you know when you get a good ab- ability in a video game and you go, right, well, I'm never using that. Right. Um, I'm going to keep that one as a, as a, as a desperate get-out-of-trouble button. Um, and in, in Dead Cells, I was pressing that button all of the time and just enjoying the abilities sort of nonstop. There was something that really encouraged you to use all of those sort of exciting sort of new things that you had. Is, is that something that you get in Hades as well? Um, yeah, there are less... 
numbers of different abilities. It's more focused on the different, like you have three or four uh, weapons you can unlock and they all play very differently. And it's kind of more focused on the mastery of that specific weapon, um, which I think in Dead Cells, one of the fun aspects was getting all the different weapons that you would use all the time, but that you would, you know, have a different kind of fun, but swapping between them when you needed to. Um, or not when you needed to, but, you know, you were encouraged to use different weapons, if not between different levels, because you would find a better one, at least uh, different runs would probably be done with different weapons. Um, I think Hades focuses more on the one weapon you like and the depth of gameplay in that one weapon, which is a different kind of uh, fun in that context, but feels a little bit more focused maybe i love both but yeah so i don't know if that answered your question but yeah, it does that sounds really cool it looks awesome as well i've got to say oh it's got the only thing that i have that i would say against uh hades is between each run it takes a little bit too much time i think they should add an option to just jump back in and and do another run because currently what you do is that you go into that hub area and you essentially <clears throat> sorry uh, essentially for various reasons you're encouraged to talk to like five or six different characters that are in that area every time um and that kind of slows down the pace a little bit so um but aside from that yeah it's pretty awesome um Let's go over the remaining news. Um, I think there's one thing that you're really going to be into for some reason. I don't know why, but I think it's uh, something you're going to enjoy. It's that upcoming new handheld uh, handheld uh, uh, console called the Playdate, that little yellow thing with a crank, like a literal actual crank as one of its uh, uh, control mechanisms. It has... Uh, um, uh, cross to control to move a couple of buttons it's tiny and uh, it, it's going to have like 20 games released over a few uh, months developed by some pretty famous uh, developers it's got a black and white screen um, and it's 150 bucks and it has a crank um, I'm assuming you are enamored with this thing Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Sold. Count me in. I'll take two. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so I have a crank for each hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I mean, at the moment, I'm completely enamored with just like the, the quirky nature of it. And, yeah, that's really charming. Uh, the, yeah, almost the kind of, I know it's not, but because uh, their advertising and, and the whole uh, announcement has completely worked on me, the kind of almost anti-establishment feel about it as well. And, and <laughs> the kind of like I'm cheating the industry somehow by even even playing it. So yeah, totally. And I I... I I can already see that I won't get through every game that's released on it. Um, and I can already see that it'll kind of sit somewhere gathering dust uh, mm. in, in a really short space of time. Um, and I might even get more fun just cranking the thing than I do playing the games on it. Who knows? But it doesn't <laughs> matter. They, they have sold it to me. They've done it. Well, yeah, done. I think it's it's exact. It's the right amount of everything. Um, the right amount of quirkiness, the right amount, like the right price, um, the right uh, uh, amount of interest because of those games being developed by um, famous developers or not famous, but proven developers. Um, yeah, it's 
it's pretty cool. Um, and I think it will be gathering dust in my uh, office as well uh, very quickly, but I still want to see what it is. So that's pretty cool. Well, the games are like completely ridiculous as well. You've got yeah. a, a ridiculous format there and a ridiculous sort of opportunity. And I want stupid, ridiculous games that don't make sense, but that are very uh, contained. You know, when you go to like um, uh, an architecture expo, which I'm sure you do all the time, but you know how, <laughs> you know, different architecture firms will will build like different pavilions and those pavilions are kind of like a, a microcosm of their style and their techniques and all kind of smashed together in one very easy to visit thing. That's what I want the games to be mm. um, uh, for, for play day. I want them to be these um, incredibly distinctive, uh, in, incredibly unique play experiences, which I, I, I don't think, which, yeah, working within the confines of the actual system could even be a thing. I think I think working in a box is when a lot of people make their best work. So mm. Mm, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, we'll see what it is exactly. But I think uh, the expectations are set just right. And um they, they're releasing it in 2020, which is flirting with fire because the next consoles are going to be released in that year as well. So hopefully it will be released at the beginning of the year and it can be its little event um, and not collide with the, the big consoles. Um, GOG Galaxy. Uh, so you remember good old games put out a client that would be your GOG library on your PC and it's uh, releasing or it's working on um, GOG Galaxy 2.0, um, which would connect to all of your services and essentially be your all of your gaming services, essentially be your gaming library for all of the games you own. Um, and if they manage to pull that off, even if you can't launch all of the games from uh, GOG Galaxy 2.0, I would be so happy because I, I, there has to be, um, like there is definitely an opportunity for someone to come along and create that product because our, our collections are scattered between a million different services and it's very confusing. There is a need for that. And I hope uh, the, the people at CD Projekt manage to uh, pull that one off because I would use it all the time, I think. OG that do it though. I mean, I, I, it's my least favorite launcher. Not my least favorite, you know, publisher or anything mm. by any means. But for some reason, GOG just really gets on my nerves to the extent that I've actually bought games that are on G GOG on Steam so that I don't have to really? ever open GOG. Yeah, if I open GOG next time, because I've got a habit of, you know, um, uninstalling it whenever I can, um, and it goes, hey, I don't know if you know this, uh, Nick, but I'm GOG 2.0 now. Just give me access to all of your games launches and I'm going <laughs> to sort that out for you. I'm going to go, I don't, think, I don't think I want you to, Gog. <laughs> Thanks. No, uh, is it all right if someone else does that? I just, I don't mm. really, yeah, you're always following me around. You're always making me cakes and, and showing me photos of me that you took when I was by myself in the park. I don't like it. I, Gog make me feel a bit uncomfortable. I, I can't mm. help it. I just don't like the launcher. I just don't like how it feels. Okay. I know that's an incredibly subjective personal thing, um, which won't affect other people in the same way, but I just don't like it. Well, um, maybe Discord will get on that then. I'm sure you'll be happy with that one. Yes, I would. All this right. is acceptable. Um, Mario Kart Tour has started a beta um, and it looks, it looks pretty cool. I don't know that I'm going to be playing it. It's the uh, mobile version of Mario Kart, by the way. Um, I mean, yes, I'm probably going to try it, but uh, cool, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. One day, one day, a phone game will make me um, uh, really happy and it will convert me. Maybe but, it'll be this one. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Never say never. Um, well, maybe in that case, uh, League of Legends, which is finally coming to mobile, will be the one to convince you. Yeah, because um, to, 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 to play a game on mobile, the thing that's going to convince me to play a game on mobile is a game that I already know that I'm rubbish at and miles <laughs> behind anyone else who already plays it. Um, it's funny because um, that game is uh, actually developed uh, in conjunction with Tencent by Riot. And Tencent, uh, which, by the way, publishes League of Legends in uh, China, already has uh, Honor of Kings, I believe is the name, which is essentially League of Legends on mobile because they went to Riot and said, guys, we have to bring this game to mobile. And Riot was like, no, nah, we're good. Thanks. So... Tencent went ahead and did a, a, a knockoff version. And now that, you know, mobile has become so big, especially in China, um, Riot was like, all right, guys, we'll work with you and put it out on mobile. Cool, cool. And now it's coming. So there you go. Uh, but yes, probably not for me either. But it's not surprising. Uh, gaming Disorder is now part of the list of diseases from, um, what's the name of the convention? Like the ASM, no, uh, whatever, for, anyway, um, it's uh, ICD-11, um, which is the big list of disorders that exist for the World Health Organization. Um so we've already talked about that when they proposed it and accepted it a while back. I don't know that there's a lot more to say about it. Uh, it's a controversial topic. Um, the thing that I, that I think I'll, I'll take away from it is it's the gaming disorder is not the ideal name, but it's not... It, a lot of people I've seen um, emphasize the fact that it's not about the number of hours that you spend gaming. You can spend a lot of time gaming, and if it doesn't aff affect your social life, then it's fine. Um, but if it if that becomes a, an escape for other issues, possibly that it needs to be looked at, um, and that's the way they're approaching it. So, I feel like yeah. a, a a more accurate headline would be addiction is a disease because um, it's sort of it so that's to anything that's the thing it's a big topic and addiction implies the addictive nature of something which is not proven in the case of gaming and that's why i think they shied away from gaming addiction um because if you have you know you bring up issues of substances that create uh dependency is that how you say it in english um yes. you become dependent on a, a chemical, you know, there's a physical, physical element of it. Whereas for gaming, um, it's uh, not proven and arguably a little bit different. So I think there's... Well, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think that um, you get the same kind of uh, mental stimulation from gaming that you would through, say, uh, betting on horse racing? I... Well, I mean, anything that... Anything that is exciting could be described in that way. I think the big problem with gaming is that it can, in some instances, be infinite. Um, and so 
if you have, you know, I've I've had this discussion with a lot of people, and I I'm not sure how unbiased I am because. I was at Blizzard when gaming addiction was a big topic about World of Warcraft. And of course, the discussion was going a lot farther than it was. And I became very defensive as a gamer of my pastime, even before that, actually. You know, I I grew up in a time when Dungeons and Dragons was seen as by seriously by some people as a way to get people into devil worshipping, you know, and and. Gaming was similarly regarded as a, a corrupting influence on on youth, and so I always have in um, in the back of my mind when we're talking about these topics, the fear of the outside world overreacting. Um, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I I I, I grew up in the nineties. I remember people trying to blame Street Fighter Two for everything that was wrong mm. um, in in the world and saying everyone was going to die of epileptic fits. I, I I understand that defensive nature, and I, I I feel like there have been discussions around video games recently in the last you know couple of years, uh, which have kind of reminded me of, of the kind of conversations that pop up every now and then, the kind of scapegoating, uh, scapegoating conversations. I don't think this is one of them. I I, I feel like. Um, if we can talk about it in, in grown-up terms and and just how video games do create an, an addictive loop and not in everyone and how we can help people to whom it is a problem in the same way that uh, helping people to whom, I don't know, going to the cinema every day and and, and, and not engaging in society might be a problem. Um, it's it's just the, the, the physical act of uh, kind of addiction to something. Um, and yeah. I, I definitely see that in video games for sure. That's not a, a, that's not a, a criticism of video games, though, which I guess is is the thing that we're scared of. I th- yeah, the thing is, there's definitely I I of course I won't deny the fact that some people get lost in gaming to an extent that is unhealthy. You know, I think that's pretty clear. Um, I, my question is, and the reason why I'm defensive is. Isn't that the case with many things? Maybe not anything, but with many things. You know, there are some people who get lost in the world of anime and there are people who get lost in... And and that comes from probably social awkwardness, maybe some clinical state of uh, depression, mildly, you know, at at different levels of seriousness. Um, I guess maybe it's easier to fall into gaming as as that escape because of the infinite nature of some of the games um i could see that uh but there is always in the back of my mind like why single out gaming isn't that the case that it could apply to many other things um and at the same time in the back of the back of my mind i also know that maybe gaming is more prone to these kinds of excesses um so I guess if it's handled in a in a serious and objective way, as seems to be the case in this uh, conversation, I guess I can understand it. But I, you see where I'm coming from. Like there oh, are absolutely. kids from I, I who love anime who will your... do nothing else, right? Yeah, I, I completely understand your your uh, suspicion of the conversation. I think if the conversation can kind of 
help people who don't understand games and how involved you get in games and and the the very healthy ways that you can sink thousands of hours into games um maybe healthy is a bit of an exaggeration but they're not unhealthy <laughs> ways you can sink thousands of hours into games if if that helps those people because i like to think i know a thing or two about video games patrick right but i i went and did uh, a little talk at a, a museum not long ago where we were talking about online gaming and esports and and uh, there were some sort of uh, 11-year-old boys there who were big Overwatch players, like huge Overwatch players, you know. And I, I, I might have told them that I was a YouTuber and a streamer, and I, <laughs> I, I can't remember if I told them how many subs I had, but I probably did. And, um, and, and their parents didn't understand it at all. And were actually kind of... Uh, it was actually talk about diversity in video games. And, and they... We're trying to frame Overwatch as a very undiverse game, which I thought was ridiculous. And in my mind, wait, who was, I was trying to do that? The, parents, oh, the, the adults in in this oh, situation, wow, okay. yeah, yeah, the, and these adults who who uh, allow the kids to play like loads of games, and it, it it clearly came from a misunderstanding of what online gaming was, and probably a fear of how much time their kids spend doing it. A kid mm. leaves the house and, and goes out to the park and drinks white lightning and smokes, and they can be out for, you know, hours and hours and hours, but you don't see them. The thing with gaming is they're spending the same amount of time on it that they would be spending down the park drinking alcohol or smoking, but they're in their room and you can hear them and you can hear one side of the conversation they're having and it's unsettling and it's a little bit weird for, for some adults. So I went into it thinking, okay, well, I, I clearly relate to the kids in this situation a lot more. And I was really surprised with how alienated I felt from them. Even, even though they, they liked my job and thought that was cool, they spoke about the game overwatch which i have sunk thousands of hours into and like to think that i play a, a fairly decent level they spoke about that game in a way that i didn't understand and and that made me feel separated from it just because they were half my age a third of my age <laughs> so wait how did they talk about it they talked about it in with with like language and memes and references that even though i am with people at blizzard and talk to about these things uh went over my head wow, um, okay. and and now was, i'm curious was, how exactly was it was confusing it to me mm. it was scary and so i i in that moment i kind of understood how easy it is for people who even understand these things when they see their kids doing it and they, their kids start talking in a way that they don't understand how scary and weird that can be so yeah. i i, I I always understand people being being wary of of video games and the contact that, that their kids have with other people and the interactions they have um, and the kind of languages they speak and the attitudes they foster. Um, and I think anything that lets us talk about that and and get it out in the open so everyone can understand it and, and appreciate that it's all good and it's all fine. It's just what it is. Uh, the better, yeah. I guess. Maybe the positive effect of this is that it will put in clear sides. Like if if your kid is, it will be easier to communicate to the parents. Like if your kid's kid is interacting with other play other uh, kids and and playing online in that way and then talking about it at recess in school and everything, it's fine and they're fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Maybe oh, well, my hope would definitely. Helpful. Yeah, my hope would definitely be that by talking about what is video game addiction which is which is presumably something that is relatively rare um and by defining that and by appreciating what that is it allows most people to say look mum 
this is video game addiction. That's not what I've got. I just play very healthily for long stretches at a time. Mm. Um, so hopefully it could, it, yeah. my hope is it would take some of the stigma out of it. Okay. Well, let's hope that the, uh, that's the way it goes. I, for some reason, still have some kind of a chip on my shoulder about it. But Don't blame me for that. Um, all right, uh, quick uh, rapid fire of news bits. Uh, the Sonic movie is uh, pushed back so that the animators don't have to die on the job. That's probably a good thing. Poor guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I made a joke about it and I'm sorry. I wish I could go back in time. I wish I could take that joke back. I don't no, care listen, that it's it looks fine. rubbish. I'm not going to watch the movie anyway. Look listen, listen, done. it's fine. It's fine. It is being pushed back. So it will be out. It will be reworked and no one will suffer, hopefully except our eyes. Um, <laughs> Microsoft is bringing a new uh, Minecraft AR game um, pretty soon. So that is going to be a big uh, competition for, uh, of course, Pokemon Go and the new uh, Harry Potter game coming out. It's kind of fun. You build stuff and put them in the real world. I don't know where the motivation to keep going out is going to be there's gathering material and also i don't know how they're going to avoid having giant penises everywhere but we'll see how that works out um, in my life like is it a constant struggle <laughs> everywhere um valve is making a standalone dota 2 auto chess mod uh so essentially it's auto chess um that's really interesting the team behind auto chess which we talked about a while back uh was approached but they are building their own auto chess uh, uh for mobile and valve is going to be doing their their own so they they decided that team decided not to work with valve and so valve is going to be doing uh their auto chess themselves um i i might try it once it it is in a state that doesn't require me to install Dota 2 and some mods. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin is apparently working with um, uh, From Software on a game. Uh, of course, this is very exciting for people who love either of those things. Uh, Valve is also um, uh, putting out an iOS Steam Chat app, um, which some people might use instead of discord that's not going to be me uh and what else uh i guess we can skip the other things there's like uh, knights of the old republic movie in the works apparently rumored um not in the works actually it's just that they're looking at it um the anti loot box bill uh, in the works in the us is gaining a little bit of ground still nowhere near uh, a, a successful vote but it's uh being discussed and uh, i guess the last thing i did want to address was Fortnite uh, becoming a giant endless advertisement as uh, Polygon puts it. Uh, Patricia Hernandez wrote an article um, following the release of the Nike promotion in Fortnite which itself followed the promotion of um, John Wick and uh, Avengers and uh, Marshmallow and a bunch of others. Um, I don't have a problem with it uh it's you know a, a societal vector of excitement and popularity i understand that you know a game becoming a promotional i mean if it was you know god of war of overwatch for some reason it would annoy me more but in Fortnite, for some reason it seems to be in tune with the zeitgeist around it it's a societal phenomenon oh 
And... God forbid that the serious gamers look down on Fortnite, eh? Oh, um, oh no, but it's not. I'm not looking down on it. I think like what it's not like they have a, a, a kind of um, a, a, a reputation to preserve in that respect, <laughs> is it? I mean, it's 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 people who don't like Fortnite are all going to hate Fortnite. They're not going to hate it any more that it's got Nike trainers in it, are they? Yeah, I don't think it's quite hate i think it's more noticing and yes being critical of the fact that it's a game that is turning into a staging uh ground for constant advertising i mean i i personally have no problem with it because i think it somehow magically fits with the ethos of fortnite but i can understand how that would bring pause to to people don't you uh yeah totally totally but I, I i think the kind of people mostly i'm i'm painting with broad strokes here that i've been going to be concerned about that probably stopped caring about Fortnite a long time ago i think it's such a it's it's a social juggernaut in a way uh that kind of video games haven't been since maybe even wow was at its sort of uh ultimate peak mm. um and, and you know you get wow adverts with mr t and chuck norris and, and things like that and i, I kind of see this as comparable to that you know it's 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 its own kind of consciousness now and it's connected in you know it's it's the video game that people who don't know what video games are know right people but play it. but the you know if you were to uh see this kind of promotion uh, uh, behavior happen in any other video game i'm guessing it would it would bring you pause yeah definitely but right then, right it's a very I mean, fortnite specific thing that it can work it, yeah it's, it's very specific other games yeah. aren't kind of putting their tentacles into popular culture in a way that fortnite does and it doesn't trans uh, other games don't sort of transcend barriers and uh doesn't oh, transcend even, the medium really like fortnite does even even in wow's heyday or minecraft's uh, uh heyday i mean maybe minecraft could have incorporated some nike shoes i suppose but in certainly in wow it would have been unthinkable and maybe it's because it's a certain uh world that is very um you know fantasy focused your head into mr t's head i guess that's true I guess that's true. It was very we, small thing, but yeah, you're right. It was it was it was pretty immersion breaking. I I I could <laughs> I could have seen you know if I could have seen movie tie-ins happening mm. with WoW back in the day. Totally, I could see. And there were now, to be honest. there were the uh, the the was it Mountain Dew bots and and the drink bots yeah. that were sold in the US. Hmm. Huh interesting i just I, saying I um but it. yeah exactly like everyone knows who ninja is and they know he plays fortnite and uh i i i feel like fortnite is 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 not to most people even not a video game in this respect it's just something that they know kids play and right, they know right. it's massive um and you know how uh, people who didn't know much about football all thought that David Beckham was the best footballer in the world at one point because that's the one they'd heard of and he was the one they saw everywhere. I guess I guess Fortnite is like the David Beckham of video games. <laughs> well, and on that note, I think we <laughs> oh, no, will bring this yeah, episode to a close. No, that works. I think it's perfect. I think it is perfect. Um, thank you so much for being on the show with me uh, and for uh, bearing with my various uh, uh, scheduling issues. Um, 
Will you tell people, if they want more, where they could find uh, your work, dear Taliesin? I'm one half of Taliesin and Evertel do games. Um, and the games we do are World of Warcraft. And Yeah, uh, we you know, a... I wanted to ask you about this. <laughs> Like, do you ever plan on doing other games? Maybe at some okay, point. World so of we did one video about Overwatch once, uh, and <laughs> uh, it did very well, I just want to say. And also we did a video about a Super Meat Boy on our Patreon once as well. So yeah, Aww. actually, uh, we're, we're quite, we're very diverse. I see. Um, but uh, yeah, um, and, but no, we, uh, we in, our, in our general talks, we talk about plenty of other games. Most of the videos that we produce are um uh, world of warcraft orientated so um yeah if you like wow and you like youtube uh you can catch us at taliesin evertel do games uh and on twitch as well uh taliesin and evertel wonderful yeah. uh the link to your twitter account will be in the show notes uh for me it's not patrick on twitter facebook and instagram you can find me there and uh, we will be back for the e3 big general uh series of shows i'm uh probably going to be streaming with uh scott johnson my good friend as we do every year for most of the conferences and uh, i might put the recording of those streams for those who enjoy them uh, on the this feed I know that every time I don't, I get people asking me to do it. I don't know why people would want to listen to us blabber uh, uh, superimposed on uh, the conferences, but I guess some people enjoy it. So it will uh, likely be there. And then we'll do our big recap of E3 on the, I think, Wednesday um, of that week. So stay tuned for that. It will be quite exciting. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Nick, for being with me. We will talk to you very soon. Bye.